Have you ever been really disappointed? Not just, I didn't get my dessert disappointed, but deeply disappointed, heartbroken, gut-wrenching disappointed. Has that ever happened to you? It doesn't happen to all of us. Sometimes people get through life without those disappointments, and God bless you if that's your case. That's, that's, that's not a bad thing. It's a, it's a good thing, a wonderful thing, if you can make it through without those deep disappointments. Some of us experience those deep disappointments, however, and, and they can be tragic, and they can, they can hang over us for years, even. I'll tell you about, I've only had one of those in my life, to be honest with you. My, my life's been fairly good, actually. But uh, I had one very deep disappointment. Nearly 40 years ago, I was serving an absolutely delightful little congregation in Kansas City, Kansas. Wonderful people, wonderful church, wonderful neighborhood. Everything was as it should be. They loved me and respected me as their pastor. Everything was going well in the church. But I had this opportunity to become the pastor of the English-speaking church in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. And that was a, 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 a temptation, a call that I simply could not resist. And so I uh, uprooted my family, left this wonderful church, and moved to Dar es Salaam in East Africa. Well, I could make this short story very long or whatever I want. <laughs> to make a long story short, it did not work out well. I became very unhappy. Diane was happy as a clam the whole time we were there, but I was not. And after 18 months, I decided for my own health and the health of my family, we needed to go home. And so we did. But that was a deep, deep disappointment for me. It was the first time and perhaps the only time in my life I've ever felt like I really failed. Failed big time. And I would also tell you that that disappointment hung over my life for a good 10 or 12 years following that. And to some extent, it's still here. You understand? Some of you understand what I mean, yes. So, yes, disappointment. I have a good friend, uh, Dave. He went to seminary with me. I've known him for 45 years anyway. He wrote the other day, and I'd never heard this story before. He said that some years ago, he and his wife had invested $10,000 in a gold mine. You know how the story's going to end, don't you? Uh, his children told him it was a bad idea. His lawyer told him it was a bad idea. But they did it anyway because they thought it was a surefire way to make a lot of money. And they lost everything, all $10,000. Now, $10,000 is a lot of money for most people, but for uh, pastors, it's an awful lot of money. It was a terrible disappointment. He thought it was the worst disappointment of his life. Two years ago, however, he and his wife began to make plans for their retirement. He's the same age I am. 
They bought some property where they were going to build their dream home and live out their years. One year ago, she died. One year before retirement, one year before all the dreams were to come true, she died. And that was an even bigger disappointment. Some of you have experienced those kinds of disappointments, others have not, that's okay. But they happen. Sometimes you lose a very important job, you lose a lot of money, a relative, a loved one dies, you find out you've got a tragic illness. It can be moral failure, you know, on your part or someone dear to you. Maybe it's just a foolish, foolish mistake like in the investing $10,000 in a gold mine. But disappointments happen. They happen and they can really hurt. Three days after Good Friday, the disciples were disappointed. They had known this Jesus. They had known him well. They had seen him work miracles, still storms, uh, make the blind to see, the lame to walk, all of that. The dead to raise up, to forgive sins, to heal people, love them, care for them, make them feel like they were precious. They had seen all that. And they thought, in their own words, they said, we thought he was the one to redeem Israel. To bring it all back, to, to make it okay again. They thought he was the one. And the religious leaders and the government leaders colluded to put him to death. And not just any death, but a cruel death on the cross. On the evening of that third day, two of them were walking from Jerusalem toward a village not far away. They were disciples of some measure, but they were not of the twelve, but they were disciples, two of them, one of them named Cleopas. Uh, for most of Christian history, we've assumed it was two men. More recently, scholars tell us, there's no reason to think that. It could have been a man and his wife. In fact, that may be the reason she's not mentioned, because wives don't get mentioned. You all know that, don't you? <laughs> wives don't get mentioned. Yeah. At any rate, it was two of them walking along, and they were discussing these things that had happened. Their disappointments how tragic their disappointments were. What they didn't know was that Jesus was coming to walk with them, to walk with them in their disappointments, in their pain, in their sorrow. As the story goes, that, that happened in the form of a stranger who came and walked with them. And they said, he said, what are you talking about? They said, well, all the things that have been happening in Jerusalem. He said, what things? And so they explained the whole story to them, to him. And he, of course, said, you foolish people, you don't understand at all. You don't get it. This is all part of God's plan. And then he proceeded to tell them how Scripture pointed in just this way, that the Messiah would come, that the Messiah would indeed suffer and die be raised again.
And later on, they would say of that conversation, they said, as he spoke, as he opened the scriptures, our hearts were, were aflame within us. Something was happening. And they went on to their village, and he was going, evidently going to go on, and they said, no, stay with us. It's late, stay with us, eat with us. And so they sat at table, odd though, odd though, he was the guest, but he served as the head of the table. That's odd. Usually the head of the household does that. And it says, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Listen to those words. He took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Just like he did when he fed the 5,000, just like he did when he fed the 4,000, just like he did on the night before he died. He took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And they said, in the breaking of the bread, they recognized. They knew it was him. And immediately he disappeared from their sight. Because from then on, they didn't need to see him. They didn't need to see him. They, they, they had what of him they needed. The word and the sacrament. They had it. They had it forever. From that day to this. Again, I don't know what disappointments any of you have had or, or if you've had any great disappointments. But this much I will say to you for certain. He's walking with you. He's walking with you. You may not see him at all, but he's there. You may see him in the form of someone else, in the form of a parent or a neighbor or a friend or, heaven forbid, even a pastor. You may see him in the form of someone who comes to you to open the scripture, to share his promises with you along the way, so that you have these promises even in your deep despair, even in your disappointment, you have his promises to be with you, that he's walking with you. And they are his promises for you, for each and every one of you. He comes to us, through others, through the scripture, through the sacrament. He comes to us right here. You know, I get paid to do this, people. I get paid to tell you these stories, to share his promises with you, because that's what's so important. When you come here, sometimes with broken hearts, you need to hear the promise. Lo, I am with you, and he is with you. Or when you come to our table, you gather at the table, and, and he comes. The words are the same words as then. He take, okay, my hands do the handling, okay? But they're his words. He takes bread, blesses and breaks it, and gives it to you, saying, this is my body given for you, specifically for you. So that in your brokenness, your disappointment, your, 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 your discouragement, you know he's with you. He is with you. That's his promise. And there's one more promise. Uh, to me, it's, it's, it's probably the, the queen of promises. Because at the very end of St. Matthew's Gospel, just before he, he ascended into heaven, 
He said this. He said, Lo, I am with you always to the end of the earth. That's about as good a promise as it gets. I am with you always. You may not see me. You may not know how to find me even, but I'm there all the time. I'm with you. Always with you. Always with you. And no matter what happens, I'll be there with you. One more thing. You know as well as I do, there are some people, in fact, some preachers, who will stand before you and say, well, if you just have faith, if you just believe, if you just trust enough, these deep disappointments will go away. It'll all turn out all right. I'm not going to tell you that, guys. Sometimes things don't turn out all right. Sometimes your wife dies. Sometimes your children disappoint you. Sometimes things fall apart. And sometimes they don't get put back together in a very orderly fashion. Having said all that, the promise remains. I am with you always, even, even in those days when it doesn't work out, when it's, all, when it's all broken apart. And I say to you, on the strength of this word, I say to you, I am with you always. That's his promise. And he sealed that promise in blood on the cross. You can trust him.